0: Mikey and Rin stay in. Oh yeah. Hi guys. Welcome to Mikey and Rin stay in. I'm Mikey. And today I'm only Mikey. Corinne will not be joining us today, but I wanted to pop in just to give everybody an update on things that are happening in our world. So, we So, yeah, after the last episode, we were, I think, a little bit out from our six and a half week ultrasound, which is where, you know, it's the heartbeat ultrasound. So this is, you know, where a lot of the Texas SB8 laws around this, you know, this is this is the time where you kind of first uh, understand that the baby is viable and that it has a strong heartbeat and that you're able to kind of have some more confidence that the, that the pregnancy is is going to keep moving forward. This is also, I don't understand it completely from a baby development standpoint, but um, this is the, you know, this is a time in the baby's growth where big changes are happening. So, you know, I think there's kind of the baby is this kind of nebulous blob until around this time when it kind of snaps into humanness. And so it's when it develops the heartbeat. It's when it starts developing kind of its own individual characteristics kind of away from the mother and during the kind of, you know, six to eight-week window is when most miscarriages happen. And you can probably tell where I'm headed with this. The, the night before our, this was, it was fucking 11 hours before the six-and-a-half-week ultrasound. And Karini started uh, having, you know, some pain that was not normal for her. Her body is very kind of consistent around things and she kind of, she knows her body really well and she knew that something was going on. She also started having some spotting, but not, not anything that was completely worrisome in that world, this is kind of a, you know, a time where you can spot a little, um, but it's not great. And so this was a weekend, I think it was a Sunday, and we reached out to the, the, um, pe- the doctor that was on call for our IVF clinic. And, you know, at that point, fuck, I don't know. They're just they're trying to make it. They're just trying to make you not flip out. And so they basically were like, you know, watch things. And, you know, if it increases, if the pain increases or the bleeding increases, then definitely, you know, go to the ER. That was very much fucking not something that we were interested in. And for obvious reasons, but also just, you know, all the normal reasons of not wanting to go to an emergency room. But we also have just had bad experiences with with emergency rooms. And when you're going in with a pregnancy experience, you know, and other people are coming in with like fucking gunshot wounds and knife wounds to the face. It's just a it's a disconcerting place to be. Uh, so the other thing that she said was it could be gas pain. And so. Mikey shot out the door, went to Rite Aid, got some Gas-X and some Tylenol, and Rinny took it. You know, I think both of us knowing that it wasn't gas. And so, but they said, you know, we had the, this appointment the next day. So she was like, listen, it's already on the books. Just come in, do the ultrasound, Um, which just felt like we knew what was happening. We thought Rinny was kind of passing a lot of. Um, clots and different things. We just we just thought that she was having a miscarriage and that the baby was gone. You know, so we went in the next day to our uh, IVF for the ultrasound, our IVF clinic, and the doctor, the, our doctor, knew generally what had happened the night before. I don't think he knew the level of kind of uh, completion that we thought had happened. But so he basically you know, got Rennie on in the stirrups and got her, you know, got the ultrasound wand. Inserted, which is—it's all just so violating. And like thinking about it from the perspective of the partner that's not going through IVF, it's—it's it's just the cumulative effect of the amount of things that that Corinne and all women have to go through in general, but also especially with IVF and pregnancy, it's wild. I. <laughs> I just took a this Everly Well company that sends you like, uh, you know, you can do these blood tests and things at home. So I did a vitamin D test today where I had to prick my finger with a little lancet. And like I was in like a cold sweat, like dripping sweat from my hands having to stab myself in the finger. Even though my wife's an acupuncturist and I get fucking needled all the time. And like that's the hardest thing that I had to go through health-wise this month. (laughs) And so just, you know to see Karing already going through what she knows is is going to be a pregnancy loss or thinks is. Um, and then having to, you know, be wanted and all that. It's just too fucking much. So she, so he, anyways, the ultrasound starts and he's like, okay. So like, here's the uterus and then here's the yolk sac, and here's the baby. And we're both like, wait, what the fuck? Like the baby is still, I, I mean, I immediately went to, Baby's still alive. This was just a blip. Holy shit. And he starts like, you know, checking for the baby's heartbeat. And, you know, first of all, you know, you you put the mouse onto where the baby is and then you kind of like you spread out like a little measurement tool. And so I think what it does is it like focuses the microphone or whatever it is on that particular area. And so it's trying to pull just the baby's heartbeat, like not your heartbeat, any of that. And so what should happen, what happened with our last pregnancy at this was it was like, you know, it should be like 110, 180 beats a minute. It's like super fast hummingbird heart. And it's loud in the room. Like they have the volume kind of cranked up. But in this scenario, it was just this deafening like white noise. Just, you know. And. I, I kind of can't think of a better sound to represent what it feels like to lose a baby and to go through kind of the deafening silence that we've gone through for the past four years. It, it felt so apropos. And that sound is... It, it just it felt so representative of the moment. It was like both of our internals just externalized completely. And so he you know, good for him, but he went on for like 10 different times trying to find the baby's heartbeat. And, you know, at some point I was just like, Hey bro, I just, I don't think this is happening. Uh, it just feels like brutal at this point. So, you know, he was very appropriate and very sweet. But the other thing about IVF is that, you know, they're there to do the IVF. like They're there to make the baby happen. And kind of if they haven't, or when it's past their part of the process they're like you know they kind of want to wipe their hands of it and get out and so you know he apologized and was so sweet with us but then the, it's kind of like now you got to go talk to your ob and figure it out so like either you're going to do a dnc which means you're going to surgically kind of have the baby removed or you're going to naturally pass the baby and but you have to kind of figure that out with your doctor that's not really our gig and which I appreciate that I think probably some of it comes from like a legal standpoint uh, or a legal perspective, and I it just it feels like it should be a place a time when there's a white glove service, right? Like here is the exact number that you need to call to get this shit done, and here are the steps that you're going to go through because you're obviously not in a place right now where you're going to make like good strategic decisions. So that so anyways so so we left and that was that was part of it. And, um, the other, the other element that had happened in this, uh, loss that we hadn't had before, um, was, so Rini has this thing called RH factor, which basically means that she has a negative type of blood. So she has O negative blood and I have O positive blood. So if the baby develops O positive blood, my type of blood, Rini's O negative blood, um, and the antibodies that her body might create would try to basically fight the baby. And so, Um. So what happens is on your first pregnancy, if they identify this, around 28 to 30 weeks is when the baby kind of develops its own blood type. And so that's when they usually give this shot called Rogam. And the shot helps your body not fight off the baby, basically. But the other time that you get Rogam is after a loss um like an abortion or a uh or a miscarriage if it's at a certain point if it's at a time where you and the baby would have shared blood so basically after 7 weeks and so the last so her first miscarriage 3 years ago or whatever it was she had this Rogam shot the abortion that happened last year which was when we lost Katie at 23 weeks we were unclear as to whether or not had Rinny had gotten this shot it was all such a blur and It was so sad and I don't know, it was just something we didn't clock. And so I started to get it in my mind that she had not been given that shot and that that contributed to this loss. So the new thing for me in this loss was fucking furious anger. And I had not had that before. I I had had just kind of lows and sads and depression and just like feeling the devastation of it. But this was that plus blame and anger. And so I was, I lost my cookies, just not, I didn't do much outside of myself, but inside my head, it was a whirling, spinning, frothing, bubbling pool of anger, and also motivation to figure out what the fuck happened. So I talked to a couple different doctors, I talked to a couple different OBs, who had a lot of things to say. One, it would be crazy if she hadn't gotten the Rogam it was it's a major it would be a major whoopsies like lawsuit style shit. The other one is that if she even if she hadn't gotten Rogam, this was this miscarriage was too early for it probably to have been a factor in what happened. And I think Rinnie and I both needed a reason for this because like the last, pregnancy that we lost, Katie, who was, that pregnancy was going perfectly except for the, till it didn't. It was, it was a successful pregnancy until we had to end it because of an injury. So that was a reason, but this one we didn't have a reason for, and I just desperately needed one. And this was, and a blame, you know, blaming someone is a reason. So, um, so anyway, so I, you know, went down this path and, basically went into her files from the hospital that we had had the procedure at, didn't see much about the Rogam, saw that they knew that she needed it prior to the surgery, but did not see that she had actually gotten it. And so reached out to the doctor that had performed the procedure, and a day later we got news back that Rini had, in fact, gotten the Rogam. And it had happened while she was under, um, so obviously she wouldn't have remembered. And I think it also happened when I was in the room holding Katie after she had um, died and so needless to say fucking intense moment and so understandable that we maybe didn't remember and you know it made me feel better but it also now made it so there was basically no reason for this miscarriage so there was um you know it's one of these things a lot of miscarriages happen at this at this time frame but a lot of it is usually chromosomal meaning that um you know, it's just this, some chromosomal anomaly that happened that caused the, you know, the pregnancy to kind of kick, uh, and the body to say, like, this isn't going to be a baby that you're going to want to move through the next nine months. And, uh, but we had the chromosomal testing done. We had intense testing done on this embryo. So that kind of takes that out of it. So on some level, it seems like it's just like, it just didn't happen or the miscarriage did happen, which it's fucking hard because it doesn't leave us anything to grab onto, you know? And so, yeah. So basically, so we're now like a week out. Um, Corinne, basically, she passed uh, what we think was the main part of the pregnancy. So the, where the baby would have been. I think it's the yolk sac. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I guess it's the yolk sac. Um, it was a hard thing about the size of an egg. And... uh and, yeah, so we, we you know, we think that it ended. And so she talked to, you know, we had a follow-up appointment with this doctor. Oh, Rini also got the Rogam shot this time. And then we had a follow-up appointment with an OB who basically said, you know, I think that you've done it all yourself. You're not going to have to have a DNC, but in two weeks you're going to take a pregnancy test. And then we're going to kind of, like, see where that goes. So I think the idea is if you have pieces from the pregnancy still inside of you i think it still shows that your hcg levels are raised so that's what you know will show up on a positive blood test and so that's fucking crazy and so she might have to have a dnc but we don't know we're not sure um so anyways It's hard because I think a lot of people think of a miscarriage as it's just like, and then, you know, it's done. It's just one moment. It's super sad, but it's also kind of like, you know, you can picture this kind of like violent. It's a miscarriage. It happens, and then it's done. Actually, a lot of miscarriages take weeks, and, you know, Corinne is still having effects from it and still bleeding, and it's becoming less, but it's just, it's really fucking Painful, And it just feels like not, not necessarily physically painful, but it's just so emotionally drawn out and just too much. And so that's kind of where we're at at this point. And, you know, obviously it's hard not to futurize and think about what we're going to do next, but we, you know, we are thinking about that stuff. It's also just, you know, life goes on and we're back to work and we're, you know, squeezing the last bit out of our beautiful fall Um, We did just plan a fucking sweet trip to Kauai where we're going to go for Thanksgiving uh, because my family is going to be here for an early Thanksgiving at the beginning of November. So we're going to go chill out on the beach. And first of all, this Hawaii trip was so cheap. I don't know if it's like that Hawaii is not getting a lot of people there right now, but it was so cheap. So that's exciting. But more than anything, we just needed something to fucking look forward to because it's feeling a little bleak. And, um, yeah, we, you know, we're just trying to, like, be as good of partners as we can for each other, but also understand that, like, we're going to grieve in different ways and we're going to, like, I need to talk about it. I need to do the podcast. I need to see friends and have beers and talk about it. Um, I need to get mad about politics. I need to, you know, and Rinnie is more like she's been at the house baking and, you know, reading and kind of, you know, laying low. Um, except for when she has to go to work and, um, treat kids, <laughs> which, which we didn't think of at the time when she started her, her business. But, um, it's an, it's an unusual level of cruelty when you have to go and hang out with babies. So, um, that's a thing. But anyways, we love you guys. We just wanted to update you with kind of, I don't know, state of the union, state of the ununion, whatever the fuck we're going to call it. But, um, yeah, it's. Things are great. We're we're good. You know, we, we Rinny and I, I think you guys hear this in the podcast. I think it comes through. But we look out for each other. You know, it's like we are really like we we see the what the other person needs. Oftentimes, even when we're kind of both, it's usually like one of us is super down and then the other one's not. So that's kind of a helpful dichotomy to have. But even when we're both down, it's, you know, turn on some bad television, turn on some get some pizza rolling, bake cookies, make some juice. We actually went out the other night and had like a bunch of cocktails, which like Rinny is not, that's like Rinny doesn't really drink and so and obviously hasn't been cuz she's been trying to make a baby and we had a fucking blast. So that meant something. It was great. But um yeah. Anyways, we love you guys. Uh, this is, you know, we're going to, we're going to do another show here in in a bit. I don't know what it's going to look like, uh, because we're just kind of, you know, we're still in it and I know that I I might come back on for another solo mission, who knows, but Rini is just not really feeling up to chatting about it right now and which I a hundred percent get and, um, and I don't want to force her to do obviously. So the love that you guys have all given us means the world, the support that we're getting from our people, both that are followers of the show and then friends in our world, people that we don't even know that are reaching out—it's—it's it's always been overwhelming. It's always been unexpected, and just know that we see it and we feel it, and it means a ton. So, yeah, we love you guys. If you want to send us a note or anything like that, you can write to us through our Instagram page, which is at Mikey and Rin. Or you can reach out uh, through the website, um, it's, but it's Let's Eat at stayin.com um, And we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and we're here for you as much as you're here for us. So we love you guys. Should I sing alone? I'm Mikey, and tonight, uh, uh, eh, 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 uh, 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 I'm staying in and eating fucking cookies. That's all I got. Love you guys.